Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Norman Thomas. These teachings are designed to empower you to live a higher quality of life. Take a few minutes to receive a deposit of godly wisdom for your day. For more information and more extended teachings from Dr. Thomas, visit normanthomas.org. So let's go to John chapter 10, verse 10. It's where we started this whole study on. John chapter 10 and verse 10. And let's look at it uh, in the King James and then in the Amplified. So just uh, tell you what, let's default to the NIV today. You have the NIV? So let's just do NIV unless I ask for another version, okay? NIV. That's the NIV? That's the one? That's T-N-I-V. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Y'all ready? All right. <clears throat> it's good to be home, too, by the way. So good to be back. <clears throat> You know, you know, anyway, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Everybody say life to the full. Life to the full. So automatically we know we're not talking about an ordinary life. Okay, automatically. We know we're not talking about life as we have grown up and learned life to be. Because there's a lot. If we just took a survey here today and asked all of you to answer, to finish this statement, life is. There'll be a very lot of various uh, answers to that, to that statement. From ranging from hard, difficult, to exciting, and great. Okay. It just depends on your experience. Yes, sir. See? So we're not talking about life based on your experience. Amen. We're not talking about life based on your parents' experience. We're talking about life as God would have it to be. In the Greek, it's called zoe. And the word zoe means the God kind of life. And that's a very distinct life that is different from life as we have learned it to be. And now, the idea is that God is saying here that Jesus has come to usher us into this high level of life so that you should never, it should not be ever your experience that you become a Christian and life remains the same. Life is intended to go up, to go higher. The moment you surrender yourself to Christ, and to the Lord's way of doing things, that life is supposed to go up for you. The problem with this is that most Christians are never really taught after becoming a Christian about what quality of life they're supposed to be living after they get saved. They just figure that, well, I got saved, and so now at least when I die, I won't go to hell. And so now I may get the Lord to help me every now and then if he's willing to, to be good or be kind to me in some way. You know, people will talk like that, and, they, and some people really believe that. You know, I'll say something like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Well, if the Lord is willing, well, of course he's willing. He's willing for you to die? He's not willing for you to die. Come on. It's not the will of God for you to die, at least not before your time. Right? And so you're talking about 35 years old, if the Lord is willing. Of course he's willing. You need to be willing. <laughs> see, but that comes from not knowing the will of God. So I have to say, if he's willing, because I don't know his will, but we've been given his will. And now since we know his will, we don't we don't talk 
based on our own confidence in ourselves, we talk within the context of his will, which is his word. So when you know this, you know his will. All right. All right. At least to some degree and to some measure. So in the Amplified Bible, it says. In the Amplified Bible, it says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have and enjoy. I like that part right there. So what am I learning about this high level of life? You're supposed to be enjoying it. So life in Jesus is supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun, something's wrong. And it's not that something's wrong with God. Something's wrong with the way you've taken on this new life. Okay? You're supposed to be having fun. Anybody having fun? In Jesus. In Jesus. Okay. All right. Because I know we are. Enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. All right. So we're talking about the goodness of God. And today, particularly, I'm talking about God's goodness uh, being a choice. It being a choice. Uh, The choice of goodness. Because you have to choose this. Now, let's go to Psalms 27, 13, which is another uh, foundational scripture that we have brought into this study. Psalms 27 and 13. And it says, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The NI, the, the New International Reader's Version says it this way. Here's something I am still sure of. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm still alive. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm still alive. So say the choice of goodness. All right, now, here's what I want to do. I want to take you back to Genesis, okay, and look at Genesis chapter 2. Well, that's just Genesis 1.26. Let's go there. How many of you already know Genesis 126? After all them times, I have like only 10 of you know Genesis 126. I've been doing that since we started this church. All right, Genesis 126. Okay with me. I love saying it again. Then God said, what did God say? Let us make man. So that tells us, us tells us that there was a company. There was a company, us. God speaks in terms of God and others. Who were the others? The others were Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of them were there in the beginning. They manifested later, but they were all there in the beginning. And that's something that you have to study out to see. I don't have time to go through that today. But God says, let us make man. And then God made man very particularly. He made man in his image and after his likeness. It's very critical to understand that. The word image means exact duplicate. The word image means a precise copy. Okay. The word image means mirror reflection. So just like when you got ready to come here today, many of you, most of you looked in the mirror to see how you looked. 
Okay? You didn't look in the mirror to see you. You looked in the mirror to see how you looked. Because you're not in the mirror. You're looking at the mirror. Okay? So what you saw was only a light reflection. A reflection that was generated by light. And that's what you are to God. You are a reflection of himself generated by light, the light of his word, the light that he said, let there be light. He says, light in me be that light generated you. You are an image of God generated by that light. OK, so uh, somebody said that when God sees when the angels see you, sometimes they think they're seeing duplicates of God. Because that's how much like God you look. Okay? The problem we have with that is thinking that when God created us, we look like we look when we see ourselves in the mirror. And that is not the case because when God created you, he didn't create a body. He created a spirit. Okay? And so you were created in his image, John 4, 24 says God is a spirit. So you too are a spirit. You're not a body. You have one. You're in one, but you're not one. You are a spirit. You're inside this thing. Okay. And the spirit man, you cannot see, but God sees it. And you look like him. He made you to look ex exactly like him in the spirit. Now in Genesis 2, verse 7, if you put that up for us, it says, then God formed man. So you were first created or made, according to King James, he uses the word made. And then secondly, you were formed. Because why? That makes sense. You can form something that's been made. You can't form something that doesn't exist. So God created you, then he formed you. What did he form you from? The dust of the ground. Dust sounds like, it sounds very sophisticated, but it's dirt. Right? All right. So we're all formed from dirt. Just different shades of dirt. It's just shades of dirt color. Beautiful dirt bags. That's what we that's what we're looking at in here. Just beautiful dirt bags. Now, now, but we we're in we're inside the bag. Okay? We're inside the bag. So that's why you don't get all uptight about the color of this. This ain't you no way. This don't this don't look, your color don't determine nothing about you. It don't, determine, it don't determine nothing about your capabilities, your capacity, your talents, your gifts. It's, it's, it's nothing. All that's in your head. All that's in your head. Okay? Something where you've been told. But you were created like God. Now, they told us that we were created in the, in the animal class. Well, that's not true because he gave us dominion over animals. Okay? So, and then... If we're in animal class, God's got to be in animal class because he made us in his image and after his likeness. So I conclude that we're made in the God class since we're made like him. Anybody take that? <laughs> so now the reason this little review is important is because it has a lot to do with how we see ourselves and, and how we see our capacity. Now, what I want to do is take you to chapter 2. And I think it's in verse, let me get it. 
is in verse 8. Chapter 2 and verse 8. Let's look at this. Now, we're talking about the choice of goodness. Chapter 2, verse 8. It says, now the Lord God planted a garden in the east. Okay? This garden is the Garden of Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and what? Good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stop right there. Now, here's what I want you to see. In the middle of the garden, in the most prominent place, the most valuable real estate, shall we say, of the garden, in the, in the central of the garden, were two trees. The tree of life, and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now verse 10. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. Go to verse 15, please. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Stop there. To work it and take care of it. God put Adam in a garden to work the garden and to take care of the garden. One translation talks about protecting the garden and expanding the garden. That the idea of God was that that garden spot was supposed to eventually cover the whole earth. Why was that necessary? Because of Genesis 1, Verses 1 and 2. Let's go there. Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. Notice what happens here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then it starts giving us commentary about the earth, particularly. The earth was formless. The earth was empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, there's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, now, and then now verse 2 talks about the formlessness of the earth, the emptiness of the earth, and the, 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 just, just the disparity of the earth. Well, this is not the way God creates anything. Yes. It's not God's nature to create like that. So if the earth is formless, and the earth is empty, and the earth is dark, something caused this formlessness and this emptiness and this darkness. Something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. And of course, our theory is that this is when, you know, Satan was released into the earth and he, re and he wreaked havoc upon the earth in an effort to destroy it as much as he possibly could. But you can't destroy something God made. Okay? So now when we go back to... Uh, verse 15, we see why God put Adam in this garden on the earth. The garden was a protective environment. Yes, sir. It was protected from the formlessness, the emptiness, 
and the darkness of the earth. It was a good place. It was the place of God's goodness upon the earth after Satan's attack upon the earth. So God secured a place. And so he put Adam there. He says, now, Adam, here's what I want you to do. I want you to protect this place. Don't let the enemy outside this place invade this place. Protect it and expand it. Work it and keep it. Grow it. Next verse. And the Lord God commanded the man. It came with instruction. Goodness comes with instruction. Goodness comes with instruction. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. From any tree in the garden. This is what God says. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was right beside the tree of life. Okay? Because when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Now, I want to talk to you about the idea of reality. So, it was a reality that knowledge of evil existed. Knowledge of evil existed. But the knowledge of evil was not far from Life. Life. Now, knowledge of a thing does not establish its reality. It's a proposal. A knowledge of something is simply a proposal for you to receive it as a reality, but it doesn't mean it has to become your reality. It was obviously never God's plan for evil to be man's reality. God intended for nothing but good. That man be exposed to nothing but good. So some people will say with their highly intelligent selves, well, if that was God's plan, then why did he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden and put it right beside the tree of life? Well, you ask God that when you get to heaven. Okay. All right. See what kind of answer he give you. I'll be standing behind you waiting to see what happened. The idea is to simply follow instruction. That's the idea. He told you what to do. He gave you an exam and gave you the answer to the exam. Just, just don't touch that tree. Just, just listen. See, <clears throat> God could have created us all in such a way <clears throat> as to engineer us and wire us to just simply, just simply obey him. But <clears throat> he needed us to understand the power of choice so that we could have a sense of the value of his choosing us. The struggle that comes with choosing. Well, it's no different than that that came with God choosing us. If you had no sense of choice, 
then you would have no basis of value where God's decision to choose you is concerned. So just imagine God says, now, I'm going to give you a free will because we skipped that part. So when God created you, he created you in spirit. Then in chapter two, verse seven, he he formed a, a dirt bag and dropped you in it so that you can navigate the earth. Because without that bag, you can't you can't be here. And then he breathed or he spoke a commanded life. And you awaken inside of your body and became a living soul that is a mind your thinking capacity, your will, your determination, and your emotional experiences. And it was in that soul capacity that choice is given to you. And he gave you that soul so that you can exercise willing, your willingness to choose him and to obey him by choice. Now, everything inside of you Everything inside of you, God engineered you in such a way as to lean you in his direction so that it's easier for you to choose that which is good. But when Adam disobeyed God, something very corruptive happened to our nature and it leaned us the other way away from God. That's why God sent Jesus to restore us back to lean us back in God's direction. Okay? So that, that by choosing Christ, that by accepting Jesus in our lives, our nature is reconformed back to the order of God's way of doing and God's way of being. So that now our first nature is not to do evil. Our first nature is to do good. All right? Notice again, in raising your babies, and how the first thing you have to teach them is no, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Notice you don't ever hear a parent saying, go, go, go. You never see a parent says, yes, yes. Why? Because the nature of that child, because of Adam, is inclined to do the wrong thing before it's inclined to do the right thing. Okay? So now Christ has come to restore us back to our inclination towards him, our lean towards him. That's what happens to you when you accept Christ. Your consciousness leans back in the direction of the Father. Before Christ, your consciousness leaned the other way. All right? It was easy for you to sin. It's not so easy now. Doesn't mean that it's impossible, but it's not so easy now. You have, there's a process you have to go through to complete that act of sin. <laughs> Because your consciousness has been leaned back in direction of God again. You understand that? Come on, give the Lord praise. So let's go back to 15, verse 15. Genesis 2, verse 15. So the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded that man, commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Verse 17 but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, what happens? You will certainly die. Now, the word die is not the word collapse to the ground and lose your breath. It's the word that means to be separated from the life of God. 
to be separated from the life of God. Doesn't mean that you won't breathe. It just means now you breathe with no life of God in you. I call it existing while not living. Because and that is the state of most people on the earth. They're existing. They're 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 the walking dead. They're existing upon the earth, but they're not experiencing life. They're not experiencing the life that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10 and verse 10. So he says, so today you make the choice to go evil. He says, that is the day you are going to experience a separation from the life of God. It's going to be hard for you to experience the God kind of life the day you go evil. Verse 18. The Lord God says, it is not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. And so that's when he pulled Eve from man's side. And then Eve manifested. Now, she was already created. She was created in Genesis 1. Okay? So, all right. Go back to Genesis 1. I can just say, by the way, y'all looking at me. Huh? Go back to Genesis 1. <laughs> uh and verse 20, 26, I believe. Genesis 1, 26. Uh, go, go to verse 28. Okay, 27, thank you. All right, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created... That's in verse, that's in chapter 1. So, so she was already there. Where was she? In the spirit, just like Adam was. So they were created both at the same time. All right. So the word man that's used in the King James Version is not male. The word man is mankind, which includes male and female at the same time. All right. If you have enjoyed this time with Dr. Thomas, visit us online at normanthomas.org for more extended versions of these teachings. You may also learn where Dr. Thomas will be speaking at a location near you. Until next time, keep walking by faith.